You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. You know, I preached last night. It reminded me it wasn't the same message. Uh, probably 40, 40, I think, two years ago, uh, Jack Hiles was preaching at my place, and he said, I don't want any cassettes made tonight, any real to real. He said, I just want to preach to this church. And he said, it reminds me so much of my church in Texas when I was there. And I want to tell you what I want to warn you about. And I don't remember the message. It's not on tape, but it was similar, I would imagine. And he said, God's doing something. Don't mess it up. And now, 47-plus years later, God is blessing it. You know, I was telling Brother Bybee on the way over here, I, I know California is wicked. You don't have to tell me. Everywhere I go, people tell me how bad we are, and we're going to fall in the ocean. And uh, I, I agree with them. Sometimes I want mine to fall in the ocean, you know, quite frankly. And I know we're wicked, and I think the whole, na- the whole world is. And I guess you have internet here, so now you probably know some of that garbage too. And you have news here, I imagine too, right? And internet and all that. The whole world's a mess, but I I know we are. And I must say, it gets tiresome. Everything's a battle. Everything's a fight. But it's worth it. And uh, I, I see so many of our kids that grew up in our church, our kindergarten all the way up, and graduates, and... uh, You've really refreshed my heart. My wife, I was taking pictures right now. She said, now, I told you yesterday. And boy, when a wife says, I told you, you know you're in trouble. I told you yesterday. I want pictures. And um, I said, okay, I will. She goes, where are the pictures today? I said, okay, I'll get them tonight. So afterwards, all of you, if I was ever your pastor and you were in the college, and I'd like you up here with your children. I want to take a picture out. He said, okay, pastor. And I'm going to put my phone right here so I remember to do that, but uh, something's happening here in this church. God would not give you a pastor like you have and a pastor's wife unless he was going to do something special. And by the way, and I I mean this, if, if you get tired of him, he could tell me what state he wants to pastor and I can get him a church right now. Every week I have two, three, four, five pastors saying, well, God's led me to resign and retire. I said, you're 10 years younger than me. What are you retiring for? And we need you now more than, I've got churches everywhere, all over that need pastors. We have churches of 500. They don't have a choir anymore. And I said, well, why? They said, because we don't have a pianist. So we sing a cappella, and a lot of times we just watch your service and we sing with you, and then I preach. We're, we're hurting for laborers right now. And you have a man of God. I've known him his entire life from day one. You have a man of God. And his wife almost all that time, I mean, her, her family is just A+, plus. Dr. Larry Brown, Diane, and she's with the Lord. But everything you can do to lighten their load. Ladies, you lighten her load. And men and families lighten the pastor. I know you are. All that pastor talks about, I was joking with him on the way from the airport. I get to preach. And he's, I said, now, 
because preachers used to ask me this. I said, no. But I said, do you need me to get your raise? You want me to get your raise? He goes, no, I don't need a raise. When, when evangelists would ask me that, I said, please don't. That's my job. To, and it got to take care of that. So he said, I don't need a raise. But every time I've given him an opening, he's always talked about the people. And you're good people. You're like my people. I have the best. And uh, I just appreciate you so very much. I'm burdened about is I think we have a last opportunity. God's done so much here, such an amazing time. This, this property, this breath, and the whole entire property. And then to give you that school. My kids will never know, our kids will never know what a grass stain's like. Our school, 46 years we've had it. And it's beautiful buildings, breathtaking, state of the art, you name it. 66,000 square feet at that property and 150,000 square feet at the other, but more than that maybe. I guess we have about a quarter of a million square feet of building space, a lot of building space. But God wouldn't give you that property like that and a radio station and this property without wanting to do something special. Perhaps you're listening to the radio right now. You know, someone ought to, ought to just say, I'm going to give X amount of millions of dollars. I'm going to build them a, a gymnasium. I'm building them a cafeteria. I'm going to build them educational space. And they have all this, but they need more. It's just they're, they're maxed out over there in year two. I, I would not like to leave a lot of money behind when I die. And my wife and I don't have a lot to leave. I, I don't want to leave it all here. And you're not going to see a U-Haul behind a hearse either. Not taking it with you. I, I know pastor's not pushing for an auditorium, and he'll know when. But I wonder if somebody could give four or five, six million dollars and build another. You're preaching twice. So I did that 15 years. And it's good. I loved it. I had two big services. But I, I, I wanted the people together. And this is going to be great. And this is beautiful. And this is a breath. Any church in America would live, die for this auditorium. What would be something if you put the bus kids in here? Or another service in here? Wouldn't it be great if you could all be in the right place? And I'm not saying anything against this, please. I, I was in the pastor, Mrs. Window. He's been at his church almost as long as I've been at mine, a little less. And uh, he's needed a new auditorium. They've got beautiful buildings, but he's needed an auditorium for years. And he's run out of time now. And he's sort of at the end of his journey. But he had six millionaires, multi, multi, multi-millionaires in his church. Not go there and preach. I said, Lord, just, I never talked about this because I didn't want to use the pulpit to, you know, offend people. But I wonder why one of them didn't do something. They had the opportunity. Turn with me in your Bibles, please, to Exodus 14. And I don't mean, I don't say that, that to say that you're, you're, you're failing in any area. I'm not leaving my church by the grace of God. I, I want to die in that city. Man, I, if I couldn't pastor anymore, this is exactly the type of place I'd have to lie in. I love this place. I just love it. I love you people. We prayed so much for you. And God's doing something. And I want to thank you uh, from the bottom of my heart, loving all these graduates of ours and all of our students, all of our young people. And uh, and they're, they're not young people. They're adults now doing such a great job. God bless you. I was telling the girls there, I could, 
I could offer them a good position at the church right now, and we could give them a studio apartment for $4,000 a month in a bad neighborhood. And that is about a true statement right there. You can, cannot get anything under about four or 5000 The houses across the way there, over there, where Rivermark, you know what I'm talking about, those are going for 6000 a month rental now. Can you imagine that? And uh, just, I don't know how, but um, God bless them all. Well, last night I spoke to you as a church, and I, I just think, I think we're living in the best day. Amen. This nation has conquered everything. Uh, my parents lived through the end of World War I and then uh, the Great Depression, and they, they saw all that. And then the Dust Bowl that lasted for 10 years, which literally displaced land from the Gulf of Mexico all the way up into Canada and swept across, especially Kansas, and you know all about it, and displaced people everywhere for 10 years. And they lived through that. They lived through the Depression. They lived for World War II, 63 million casualties. They lived through that. They, li they lived through... Uh, the, the, uh, they lived through all the, the flus, the Spanish flu and all that, 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 by the way, took more lives than COVID. They lived through that. They lived through the assassination attempts. And I remember uh, it, it, when, when John F. Kennedy died and Bobby Kennedy died and uh, Martin Luther King, all those people were shot and killed. They lived through all that. They lived through the chaos of the 50s and the 60s and the hippies and the beatnik. They lived through it all. But you know what? America lived through it as well. You know, you know, some of the greatest days for church work was following World War II. All, all the manufacturers, the Ford, the Chevy, the Chrysler, they were all shut down. People said, I bought a 1945, a 1945 Chevy. No, you didn't. They didn't make them. The women, Rosie the Riveter, went to the factories and they were building uh, airplanes and munitions and they spent time there and neighbor girls would watch one another. They'd work the night shift, the other one worked the day shift. Those men would go and my old pastor was in the war. He went to war and he came home later. His wife was expecting as he left and five years later he got to see his son for the first time. That's the way it was. But if you look all over America, and our, I can tell you, I can take you to a city, I can tell you if it's a 1950s house because they're all the same. There's these little 1950s houses that follow World War II, 48, 49, 50, 51. Hey, the great cars came out in the 50s. Well, at least for Chevy. Nobody drives a Ford here, right? I'm talking about the, the, the 55, 6, and 7 T-Bird Ford. Uh, 55, 6 Chevy Fords, uh, Chevys. The Corvettes. Oh, I'd be a better pastor if my church bought me one of those. But uh, it was a big time. The 59 Cadillacs, they're all big old fins. And they, they, I can remember they tilted them up on a picture like this, like their missile going to the, the moon in those days. Amazing. My dad had a business downtown in Stockton, first floor of a 12-story building. And he said, now, son, you go ahead and take the day. I, was, I think I was about 11 years old. He said, 10, 11. He said, you take the day. I went for the entire day, crossed the street to Eagle Ford to chase Chevrolet and the Pontiac Cadillac. Dealer. I just looked at cars all day as a kid. Man, it was a big time. Churches were exploding. 
In Ohio, there's five churches all around 5,000 or more. Big time for churches. Fastest growing churches in America, largest church in America, always uh, sold out Baptist churches. Yes, this is a dark day. Yes, we have wicked politicians. Yes, the world's corrupt, but the church is still alive. And I believe the greatest days for Sunday school, bus ministry, nursing homes, jail ministry, door-to-door, soul it is happening in our area. We have never had in the 47 years I've been there more reception to the gospel than there is in our area right now. They're, they're hopeless. People came to California looking for the gold in 1849, the gold rush, and they were empty. They went left bankrupt in their hearts. They came to Hollywood the turn of the century, thought Hollywood provided it, it never did. Uh, the hippie movement thought that would provide it, never did. They are so tired of searching, they're looking for the answer. And Christ is the answer. Last night, the church, and I don't plan to be very long. I hope I'll, uh, I can go quickly tonight. I know you've had a busy week, but I want to talk to not the church, but to the Christian. I want to talk to you. I love God's people. All I have for God's people is respect. My, my kindergarten teacher in Sunday school, Mrs. Daniels, singing only a boy named David. We had Sunday school in my pastor's garage. I remember it. I remember even Morning, Morning Star in 1956 leading me to Jesus Christ right up here in a little uh, two-row choir that we had, you know, little 16 folding chairs, green wooden chairs. I remember that night we didn't have electricity in our little building we had lanterns glowing. That night I got gloriously saved, 1956. That's many years ago. God's, God's been so, Christians have only helped me. Well, I know once in a while you get a nutcase, but that's what makes it kind of fun. <laughs> God's people are the best. Yeah. Don't you criticize preachers to me or God's people to me, and I know you won't either. But you know, all of us as Christians face moments. I want to read a text from Exodus chapter number 14 tonight. We were in Exodus last night, weren't we? And we're in Exodus tonight again. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel that they turn and camp before Pahiroth, between Magdal and over the sea, over against Belsaphon, before ye shall camp by the sea. And Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, They are entangled in the land. The wilderness has shut them in. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he shall follow after them. I will be honored upon Pharaoh and upon all his hosts that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And they did so. Our father, last night, I did not ever preach that ugly message anywhere else. I preached it here first. I've seen the thoughts many times, but I preached the message first here. And I've preached this message so many times across this nation. And I preach it tonight because I think I need it. And I believe every Christian is either facing this or will face it. Help me to help these people that have been so good to me. In Jesus' name, amen. The word is not what here in this text, but you'll see it. I want to speak on one word to God's people tonight. Have you ever... Have you ever come to the point where you just feel like, and I'll give you the word momentarily, that, that describes where I'm at with my life. 
I promise you when I give you the word, you'll think of something, an experience that you're going through or have gone through, or one, by the way, that you don't even know you're going to go through because you're either in a trial, you're going through a trial, or you're on the other side of a trial. And the message is not on trials. But have you ever felt like this word applies to your life? It might be your job tonight. And I'll say the word is that, that sounds like my job. That sounds like my marriage. That sounds like my children. That sounds like my grown children. That sounds like my grandchildren that my son or my daughter or my daughter-in-law or my son-in-law tells me I can't see my kids, my grandkids. They're so mad at us that we have no idea what we did. We haven't seen our grandkids for five years, someone said. I pastor a family for, got saved in our church 46 years ago, and, and, and they, they, they cannot see their grandkids. And they've been good people. Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. It's not right. Maybe when I give you this word, you'll see your job, you'll see your marriage, you'll see your children, you'll see your grandchildren, you'll see your health. We, we got this graduate in our college and 46 years of age, he stopped breathing today. They got him back. He, he's, tonight's probably going to be the night or this week for sure. 46. One of my best men in my church. He's been on my staff for years, years ago. He taught the college and, and he's nearing the shore. Last night had a terrible night. He's real close now. Maybe the doctor said, said the C word to you, cancer this week. When I give you this word, you say, That's, that describes where I'm at. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe everything's turned upside down. My question is this, and here's the word. Have you ever felt that you're just trapped? God forbid, but it might be in a marriage. It might be with your children. It might be with your health. It might be with your finances. It might be with you. You're just trapped. No way out. That's what happened in, in Exodus 14. This is such a pivotal a, a, a passage that it's going to be the most quoted passage in the entire Word of God. Isaiah quotes from this passage, and Jeremiah quotes this passage, and Job quotes from this passage, and Daniel and Nehemiah quotes from this passage. The prophets quote from this passage. It's in the New Testament, this text right here. You see, if Israel gets it wrong here, there's no going forward on the other side. They're trapped. And so here they are leaving Pharaoh. The death watch has come through the land. The firstborn of everything had just died. And Pharaoh says, go, go. And two million Jews begin to go. And, and they get here to the Red Sea. And as they're there, all of a sudden, here comes Pharaoh. They cannot go forward. There's no bridge that's been made. There's no boats that have been provided. There's two million people can't, cannot go forward. They cannot turn back because here, here comes those Egyptians. They cannot turn to the right on the seashore either side because there's no place to go. They're trapped. And what you or what I do in a moment when I'm trapped is that which will, our life will pivot from. 
Life hinges often on the decisions we make when we're trapped. I hear people say things like this. I did everything right. I went to Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, raised our kids right, had them at camp, had them in area activity, and my kids will walk away from God. I'm done. I'm not mad at you, Pastor. I'm not mad at the church, but I'm not coming back. I'm not coming back. I feel like I've wasted my life. You see, their life was invested in a result. And when you did not get the result you wanted, you caved on God. There are people in this area, I don't even know this area, but you got enough Baptist churches around here that there has to be a lot that are just sitting home because they're bitter at God. Their health. I was a deacon of the church and I got this cancer. I was a deacon of the church. I got this MS or I got this Lou Carrick's disease or I got this uh, multiple sclerosis or I got, I got this uh, 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 diabetes or whatever. I, I, I did it right. Look at the result I get. Look at what I'm going through. You know, tonight, I could give you so many illustrations. I found out so many of our people watched the service last night, so I can't even give illustrations anymore. <laughs> but you're going to get trapped. Sure. Sometimes you get older and your health betrays you. You fall off chair of steps. <laughs> and anything like that that happens, it it causes you to wonder all the time, what, am I deteriorating? Am I getting too old? What you do when you're trapped is going to be the difference. So some of you, your kids might turn out right, but then your grandkids might be, I, I can tell you, not necessarily in our church, but I'm sure it is, I can tell you grandkids that are dope addicts, I can tell you in this state, I went to preach at a church and, and I knew the church so very well. And one of my dearest friends in that church, he said, I, I've got a grandson, grew up in Christian school, you name it. He's got five children from five different women, alcoholic. I can tell you horror stories. I, I, I preached all over this country for 47 years. My secretary said about 10 years ago, you know, you've preached in the Los Angeles area alone uh, 769 times in Los Angeles, let alone the East Coast and the South and all over this nation, what, let alone other countries. It's, it's the same everywhere. I get to know people, love people, but everyone have how you don't, you don't get bald head or gray hair or, or white hair. You don't get that without sorrow. Man, this born of woman, his days are few and full of sorrows. The sparks fly upward. And I don't want us to get all pity party tonight, but you will face crises. We all do. I think of that day that I'd watch them come in during COVID. I was ten, sent two ladies in. We were holding church inside that big 3,000-seat auditorium and God was working in our midst and they'd come in the back and look at everything. We weren't supposed to be inside and they put a sign while I was preaching on the door, $5,000 fine Sunday morning, $5,000 fine Sunday night, $5,000 fine Wednesday night. The doors are loaded with $5,000 fines. 
the lawsuits that came. By the way, I claim during that chapter 14, verse 14, there's a great verse you may want to, it's the Lord's battle. Those are hard days. But I tell you, I was determined, even though we went outside and we went into nine huge tents and driving parking lots in, rows and rows of cars, and many of you probably saw it. We had a big, big, I called it the stadium that we built there, and I preached from there in the rain, in the cold, in the sun, in the heat, and it was an amazing thing. And God, God worked in that. I'd be preaching people in their cars, honk, 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 amen, amen. It was amazing. It was amazing. We had fire pits everywhere and blankets. Every lady that came, we every service gave brand new blankets. Thank God for Walmart. <laughs> you know, that which looks so bleak and so help, hopeless, I want to tell you something. Those are some of the most precious memories of the history of our church. Your, your trapped situation, God may just turn the curse into a blessing. Or you may have to live a lifetime of sorrow that that it it did not turn out the way you thought it was going to turn out. Here they are, the Bible says, they'll be entangled in the land. Verse 3, Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, they are entangled in the land. The wilderness has shut them in. Stephen talks about this passage and the Psalms talk about this passage and Hebrews does and and Acts does and uh, Habakkuk does and all these and others. We're always experiencing trap moments. Yeah. It's so important how you respond when you're trapped. Amen. It's so important for me. Sometimes I responded so well. And sometimes I have to respond it so bad. You know, in that nearly two years, there were some nights I was, I never would sleep. I'd wake up every night. I was walking around. Some nights God was so close, I felt like I could touch him. And some nights I said, God, you're hiding from me tonight. What, what's, what's wrong? What's, what, what's wrong with me? What, what, what's the deal here? What's happening? God, I need you. I can't even find you. Oh, he was always there. Nothing is going to touch my life, but it's for my good. All things work together for good. Your dad was such a wonderful man. I remember him as a high school student. Then I remember him on our staff, just one of the smartest men I've ever met. I don't know how suddenly when you called me, your dad just just passed away. I don't know know how, I still don't know how that's going to, your your mom, the same thing. My wife's mother-in-law, my mother died 52 years ago, October 4th. Left eight kids, a preacher's wife. My wife had to come home from college and help raise those kids. I still don't see any good in that. I thought of it 50 years ago this December when my wife walked down the aisle and no mother there. I thought of it when we left her family in the farm in Illinois, go to California. 48, nine years ago, I thought of it. No mom there said goodbye. I, I thought of it when there's been not one Christmas with their family, not one Thanksgiving with their family for 50 years almost. I, I thought about it, and it was, travel was different. We, I just couldn't get on a plane when she missed three or four of her brother's weddings. 
I thought about when God gave us our first child, second child, third child. No, Mom, you know what I'm talking about, Mrs. Copenhagen. I don't see how that's going to ever work together for good, but God said it did, and it will. What you do is so important. I'm going to give you a formula that God gives us here, and we'll be done. Notice verse number 13. And Moses said to the people, Fear ye not. There are three words you have to remember. Fear ye not. Say it together. Ready? Fear. Fear is the opposite of faith. You tonight and me, I'm either living by faith or I'm living by fear. Fear is negative. Fear is it can't be done. Fear is hopelessness. I refuse to live that way in 2022. I believe there's great hope. Who's ever in the White House, I think there's great hope. If you study the lives of those presidents, most of our presidents had big warts, big problems. I mean, we think Mr. Roosevelt was so great. Oh, a lot of his policies were not that good. We, Mr. Clinton, Mr. Bush, all of them. I know, I know there's good ones along the way. And I know they have great testimonies of God's the answer and all that. Turn to the Bible. I know that. But our hope's never been in Washington, D.C. My hope is in the Lord. Well, there was a day that it looked so dark from Germany and Hitler, he came on the scene and promised everything. You all get a car. You all live in houses. And he delivered on a lot of, you ever hear Volkswagen? And he came on through. But then the control came. By the way, he's hiding in a bunker in a cave and he kills himself. And two days later, Stalin did the same. And Mussolini and Stalin and Hitler, we see these men, and, oh, it's just over. I wonder if they're the Antichrist. They all died in a heartbeat. And, and life goes on. You cannot govern your life. Well, the doctor says it's hopeless. You're going to die. Well, if that's when God wants you to die, then you're going to die. I'm not trying to be careless. We buried our school secretary this year, I remember the day I led her to Christ. And literally, she and her husband and her three children are like our family. We spent most of those days of COVID in our son-in-law and daughter's backyard. We'd sit out there at night and talk together and sing and pray and have good time together and fellowship. She could have been my daughter, but instead, she battled cancer for 10 years. And I remember that day she took that last breath and we've laid her to rest. I see that, that little girl in, high, in college that, that's there in our office and works for us, and she's in college now, her daughter. And I see that little girl, my heart just aches, and she goes home, and she cares for the house, and she makes the meals, and she's going to school, and she's an intern teacher and in the element, on the high school, and, and she's, she's taking her job, and she's dating and all the relationship there. And I see her little sister who's a high school senior, and I see her little brother who's in now 10th grade, I see the sorrow and the heartache and the emptiness. I don't see how that's going to work out very good, but I believe God. I see that dear husband of hers looks like a son to me. I love him so very much. Mike is such a wonderful man. And I weep and I break 
But he's doing it right, trying to do right, stay in church. And I'm certain sometimes he just feels like staying home maybe. I just, I'm so heartbroken. But you can't fear. God has not given us the spirit of fear. And when I have fear, I don't have faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You know why God's blessed these, this church through the years and preserved it through the years and then brought you this man? And why God's continued to bless it? Because it's been a, apparently a people of faith. Amen. A people that believe that God can do anything but fail. God said three words, Moses, fear ye not. Moses, fear ye not. What were the three words he said? Fear ye not. But then he says two words. What's the next two words? Stand still. Oh, I don't like those two. <laughs> I'm not a stand stiller. That's a pretty good word right there, isn't it? I'm a president of the college, so I can make up words as I go, you know. Stand still. I, I, I don't like standing still. I don't like being still. I want to do something. A preacher was preaching probably 45 years ago. And I know the preacher and I know the church and I know the area. And, and he said, we had this filthy shop came in our town with magazines and things that are nasty and dirty. Y'all ought to go do something. My, my goodness, y'all ought to go build the next building to it or go burn it down or something. I don't know. Well, he didn't mean that, but the guy went and burned it down. I'm not asking to burn anything down, folks. But I like the spirit of that man. I'm a, I'm a, let's go do something. My father-in-law, I, I, he's been there. He was, he's with the Lord. He pastored his church 57 years. My father-in-law would drive me crazy when I worked for him. I was young. I was 21. He had gone through the eight kids and gone through serving God and going to Bible college with four married kids and getting through that and working the farm at the same time and starting the church in 1953. And he's just an amazing guy, just an amazing man, a man of the Bible. And we grew out of a room. It just, it, it, we were at a time in the church it was just exploding. And we needed land. I went and found it. I mean, you know, I, I know what I'm doing. I'm 20 years old. I know what I'm doing. And I found him land, and I found him another piece of property, one on Auburn Street down the road, another one on the other side of Riverside on Auburn. I found him. I said, I want to take you out. He goes, well, we'll get out there sometime, Brother, Tra Brother Jack. I don't want to get out there sometime. Let's buy it today. It's up for sale. It's going to be for sale. This was 51 years ago. I said, I, I want to show it to you. It's the place we can build there. I drove him there. I'll never forget it. I said, there it is. Hmm. Up there it's nice. We've got this low land. He criticized about what I found. <laughs> I said, okay, maybe that's not it. I drove down the street and I said, now look at this piece. He goes, it's flat here, but then goes down. That's not the right property. We'll just pray about it. The guy drove me crazy. He wanted to wait on God when I went, let's go forward. Let's build something. You know, I eventually I didn't leave there mad. I left there. It was wonderful. But I came to California. About two years later, three years, he called me and said, hey, we just bought 25 acres on the Riverside Road 
and Safford Road. It is breathtaking. You ought to see it. Next time I was there, I saw this huge building, gymnasiums, auditoriums, classrooms. You know, 51 years ago, I showed them those other two properties, you know, that once had a for sale sign. We had to get them because they were going to sell them. 51 years later, they're still not sold. I'm glad he never said, I told you so. Yeah. <laughs> he just believed on waiting. I don't believe on waiting. Let's go burn something down. Let's go build something. Let's go do something. Let's, thank you, my brother. You and I, we're in this thing together. Amen. I'll see you down here while I'm down here, too, in just a few minutes. You walk down, I'll fall down, okay? That'll work out real well. It's an amazing thing, the older you get, and I'm not saying I've arrived. I enjoy waiting on God. I was in my room this afternoon after chapel, and we had a nice lunch together. Just praying about some things. I said, Lord, I, I feel like you're running out of time. <laughs> but I'm going to wait on you. And in your time, you see, God says to Moses three words. What were those three words? Ready? Fear. You know, for Methodists, that was pretty good. But I'm talking about independent temperamental Baptists. Are you ready? What's the three words? Fear ye. What's the two words? And how many are experts at that? You know what the last word is? See. You know the outline I gave you tonight when you're trapped? Three, two, one. See, God always comes through. He generally doesn't come through the way I'm expecting, but He always comes through. I literally, I could tell you whether it's land, our buildings, our property, our ministries, I could tell you for hours in 47 years being at this church the things that I thought God was going to do it this way, and he did it this way, and my way looks so good, and his way is perfect. Land, I thought I needed. Buildings, I thought I needed. Property, I thought I needed. Uh, certified letters I sent to all these farm holders, and there was farms back then, and, and uh, uh, the railroad company that owned so much. Uh, everything, I had it all down. I had it done. I had blueprints I had drawn. We could do this. We could do this. We could do this. And everything now looking back, what a mistake that would have been. It's sort of like my wife. She had all these guys that wanted to date her, all these boyfriends. But guess what? God provided a perfect one for her. <laughs> now I'm her third husband, but the first two were pretty good. And God provided the exact right person for her, and God provided the right exact person for me in his time. Some of you are all worried about, I'll never get married. Well, you know what? A lot of things I used to be concerned about. I was never concerned about that, of course, I had these bulging muscles. You ought to want to come up and feel them down here. They, they sort of hang down here. <laughs> I, uh, I, I don't know. I just thought that God in his time. I never understood why God never gave you two children. How many years was that, Brother Covenant? Nine. Nine years. 
You know, John Morris and Lauren, you know them so well. They were just nine years, and they just had their baby, a boy. They could have named him Jack. They named him John. <laughs> Dumbest thing I've ever heard. God's always going to show you that his way is the right way. It might be that you walk with a cane for the remainder of your life or from a wheelchair or from a, uh, one of those little push carts, a walker. It might be from a hospital bed. God's going to raise you up to be the prayer warrior that America needs. And we will not even know it until we go over the other side. You are the one that brought revival. You were the one that laid in bed and could not hear the pastor preach. They won't let our people that are shut in and nursing home, they won't let them out. You can't go visit them. I can't go see 17 homes we have. I can't go see them. Can't bring them to church. I think of Charles. Charles and I were the same, our same age. And he's been in a nursing home for 50 years. And Charles would come every, we lived right next door to the old building, could come every, every Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And Charles just cries. You can normally can't even get him on the phone. Such an awkward thing to try to get a hold of. And if you talk to him on the phone, he just starts crying, I want to come to church. I call Herman. You can never hardly get a hold of him. He's so discouraged just living in that little room by himself. Can't leave that room. Eats there. That's the way it is right now. All oh, COVID, they got it going still, you know. He just cries. I, wanna, I don't want to live. Phyllis, my son-in-law's grandmother, can't even go see her for over two years. She's shut in by herself. Most of these people now can't hear. I don't say this at all. Humorous. I, I was my father-in-law. We, we couldn't go see him. He was in COVID in a nursing facility they were caring for him, and, and he could not hear. And, and he, once in a while, they bring a phone. He goes, I've been trying. He'd been trying to use it. I'm, please, I'm not making fun. As many folks, they try to use the remote control for the TV and think it's the telephone. Can't hear anything. We got people dying in rest homes. I don't even know if there are, how, how many are still alive. Three, two, one, fear ye not. Stand still, see. Look, look, we'll be done. Here it is. Go to the latter part of the chapter. I want you to see. The Bible says in Moses, verse 27, stretched forth his hand over the sea. And the sea returned to its strength when the morning appeared and the Egyptians fled against it. And the Lord, the Lord, the Lord did this overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. And the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen. Verse 30, thus the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians. And verse 31, let's read verse 31 together. Ready, begin. And Israel saw, stop right there. What did they do? They saw. They saw something. Let's read it together. And Israel saw that great work the Lord had did upon the Egyptians. And the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. I wonder how you're trapped. Is it with money? I wonder, is it with health? I wonder if it was regret? Are you trapped with betrayal? 
I sing all the time, be, sing it today in my room, be not dismayed, whatever be tied, God will take care of you. Beneath his wings of love abide, God will take care of you. God will take care. Oh, yes, I'm very excited about the ministry. Yes, God's blessing our church on unusual ways. But, oh, you stay long enough and it's large enough. All the betrayal, it just kills me. Why can't you sleep at night, Brother Traver? Because I never want to have a bad attitude. There are so many people I've invested my life in. And it feels like sometimes it's all in vain. And it breaks my heart. I go to the pages of my prayer journal. There's four columns or more on every page on those pages of just backslidden away from God. Page after page after person after person. I don't ever want vindication where God gets them. I normally go back, I think of when they got saved or when they were born or when they came to the Lord or a decision they made for God. And it hurts so much when you see people turn their back on God and on the thing that brought them such happiness at one time. I know I could use my people. I have the greatest people. But all of them have been trapped at times. Brokenhearted at times. But I watch them go on. I go out to the cemeteries, particular one in our city, and I see all the people I've laid to rest. And I see at Babyland, I go there and I see the little babies that are there. And I see Jacob and I see Aiden and I see Tiffany. I see Tabitha. They're little markers. And I go over here and over here and over here and over here and over here. And I start on this corner and I see this man and I, I would normally in high school see his daughter and son tomorrow. And there they are. I see this man and he passed away and his kids are in elementary. And I'm thinking unless there's a miracle, this man is going to be out here and his three little elementary kids are going to be with that daddy real soon. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.